can't remember when I first started hearing about Promising Young Woman, but because it was released in the in the States in January and it's finally coming to to the UK, finally everybody's gonna get a chance to see this film. And oh my god, this film is astonishing. And I think one of the things that really strikes me about this film, I've seen it twice now, is the fact that it's so angry, hmm. but it uses anger in such a fascinating way. It simmers with anger and with rage. And it's not the sort of big, wild explosions, gun toting or tons of killing type of anger. It kind of falls into a lot of people are talking about it as a revenge film or as a rape revenge film. And it is, but it isn't. Mm. It's trying to do something. It's trying to address an anger that's always there. That's always sort of pulsating underneath the surface. And it's prickly. It's acidic. And it's it just consumes you. And I think Cassie, Cassandra, the lead character, who's played by Carrie Mulligan in, in the film, is a perfect performance of that anger that sort of burns underneath the skin for mm -hmm. a very long time that has no name or a grief that has no name. Because what's interesting about her is that the central relationship in Cassie's life is one that has no societal name for it. There is no way to grieve a best friend. Mm. There is a way to grieve parents. There is a way to grieve partners. But how do you grieve someone who is such a big part of you, but that everyone else just sees as, well, that's, that's your buddy, that's your pal. Yeah. There is an intensity of emotion in the film that is never particularly articulated directly, but it's there. It's there in the images, it's there in the music, it's there in Carrie Mulligan's performance, it's there in the way that she talks. The dialogue in this film is so savage and so smart. The way that certain phrases and turns of phrases and expressions are turned around and given a meaning that almost, it almost feels like it's speaking in a secret language to women in particular and there's a way that it's its central thesis i would say is that is a really complicated one to address and it's a really complicated one to see so directly to be confronted by it and it's even difficult to to talk about because it's basically saying what we kind of know what we see every day and it's that the promise of men is more important than the lives of women and how hard is it to make a film that explores that and still works as a as as a piece of art as a piece of yeah. entertainment it's such a fine difficult line to walk and i can't and you know it's not it's it's not perfect you know almost no films are perfect and it has a it has issues and and some people have criticized it for issues but i cannot personally even though i see them there is such intense smarts in the film and every little bit of it articulates visually and cinematically that very particular brand of everyday anger that every single woman i think has to live with every single day and it's a film that i would be able to watch many times and every single time i think it would have a a different perhaps a different shade of a reading 
and will definitely have that same effect where it just sort of grabs your heart in its fist and it doesn't let go for the entire duration of the film. So if a friend came to you now, came to your house and told you that they thought something bad had happened to them the night before. Cassie. Something bad. It was years ago. What would you say? It, uh, what would you say? Uh, I feel a little weird. Would you roll your eyes behind her back and dismiss the whole thing as drama? I don't know why you're mad at me. Okay, I, I'm not the only one that didn't believe it. If you have a reputation for sleeping around, then maybe people aren't gonna believe you when you say something's happened. I mean, it's crying wolf. You thought it was crying wolf? Cassandra is confronting a lot of people from her past. And this scene in particular, she is she's confronting an old classmate of hers from university. Someone who knew what had happened, what had transpired with her best friend, Nina. And not only did nothing, but also indirectly participated in, in covering it up, in dismissing it, in also ignoring the the plight and the and the the complaint complaint seems like a, a small word for this for this case, but uh, the complaints by by Nina and the repercussions on Nina and Cassie herself, who in this film drops out of medical school despite being the top student. So there's clear effects and there's very clear kind of um, repercussions. Mm. But here, I mean, when I was talking about the the savagery of the language and how smart the script is, this scene is kind of perfect, perfectly articulating that because there were so many expressions there that we're so used to. And I think one of the really complicated and really beautiful things about Promising Young Women is how it shows a lot of internalized misogyny through the female characters. Mm. This scene in particular, you can you can hear the the barely contained anger in Carrie Mulligan's performance, can't you? Mm. Where she's talking to someone who she would assume understand where she's coming from and she's not getting it. She's mm. absolutely not getting it. So it's a lot about self-preservation as much as it is by, about revenge and mm. about a, a wider rape culture and a wider language that comes alongside with rape culture. And that's hard to hear and it's really hard to see. And I think those that clip kind of illustrates that very, very difficult fine line that that exists kind of in, in those conversations and frankly in, in reality as well. Hmm. I um I think the color palette that she used Emerald in both in, you know, she she's written this, she's directed it. She was like seven mm. and a half months pregnant when she directed it or something ridiculous. Um, I just think the color palette that she's used to really contradict all those things that you were saying about the themes and things, you know, they th you, it, it's dark, it's, it's mm. really dark, but the color palette is bubblegum. It's just, it's comic book. It's so clever um, in terms of that kind of contradiction mm. um, and the way that it really just, I don't know, it kind of, the, the vibrancy of it, I think is such a clever way of it looking whilst the subject matter obviously you know, just being incredibly dark, but really important to address. It addresses so many things in such a brilliant, creative way. Totally. I think the music, the color palette, you're so spot on. The nails that Cassie has, oh. which are all multicolored and 
probably, you know, one of the the most budget and also really great Halloween costumes that will that will happen necessarily yeah. in October. Yeah. But I think that's kind of a very deliberate contrast. And I and I interviewed Emerald for for a magazine a, a few months ago and we spoke about this and it's very, very deliberate. I think she's a very fascinating, very deliberate writer and director where it is basically offering up a contrast of Yes, this is Cassie's a very girly girl. She's it's very it's very bubblegum pink. It's very light touch and pastel colors. It's very poppy music. Does that make her story less valuable? No. Exactly, yeah. I think it's it's also addressing visually the way that we've been taught to instantly dismiss anything that is sort of coded as girly, even even as as women, you know, we've been taught that, well, you know, if she's a girly girl or if this is bubblegum pop or it's just, you know, she dresses a certain way or performs her femininity in a certain way, then, oh, well, it doesn't matter. It's yeah. kind of also in that in that clip yeah. as well. And the film does exactly that through its visual language, through the way that it sounds and it looks. Do you think that goes as far as well as some of the casting? So in terms of like Adam Brody as Jerry, you know, you think Gossip Girl, you think, yes. um, you know, um, the OC, those kind of characters as well. And, and even as well, you know, as far as um, Christopher Mintz Plass, you know, I am McLovin, all that kind of <laughs> thing. Do you think those were deliberate choices because of the association those actors have with characters they've previously played? I'm so glad you bring that up because I love that element of the film and I know it's deliberate as well because Emerald has spoken about it. And again, just so smart mm. because nothing that's in Promising Young Women. And I think one of the kind of misconceptions about the film from the marketing of it is that there is, Cassie's not really going out after guys and, and you know, tricking them in any way. She's not, you know, killing them off or she's not, um, you know, enacting any sort of... Um, terrible plot against them she's just letting them be themselves yeah she's being completely passive and the casting of these guys adam brody um and 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 the rest of them it's because we're so used to seeing them in romantic comedies and in sitcoms and comedic settings and actually yeah. what a lot of rom com well a lot of rom-coms and a lot of comedies have taught us is that these behaviors are okay they're yeah. fine pop culture has kind of given us that recipe and now we're seeing it from a totally different point of view and we're seeing and some of the most stunning moments in this in this film is where these guys, these nice guys, self-professed nice guys, suddenly realize that someone has caught them yeah. in in a moment where their niceness falls away and then yeah. enters the kind of self-preservation mode, the mode of like, oh, <laughs> I, I've been caught out. Yeah. Or I've not even been caught out in public, but someone has seen or yeah, seen, seen through this veneer. Yeah. yeah. And that's scary. Yeah. 